a Radio 191 FM podcast. I'm here on Zoom with Joseph. How are you, Joseph? Good, good. How are you doing? Very good. So you recently, I believe, co-authored an article for The Conversation uh, regarding kakapo conservation efforts. Um, could you maybe tell us a bit about your work in relation to kakapo conservation? Like, What have you done in the past? Where has that led you to now? Yeah, so this is the, um, one of the first publications to come out of the Kakapo 125 sequencing project. What happened was um, there was a crowdfunding effort to sequence all living Kakapo at the time. Mm-hmm. And we've done the sequencing. Um, that was kind of done before I arrived on the scene. And then uh, we identified variants in the population. So, you know, there's a reference genome that was also published by the Vertebrate Genomes Project out of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we aligned these sequences to that reference, and then we can identify differences between that reference individual and the rest of the population. And because it's such a small population, we've kind of captured the genome-wide diversity, genetic diversity. Mm-hmm. And your article seems to make constant reference to genetic mapping. Is that any difference? Or what's the difference between that and, I guess, uh, genome sequencing? Yeah, so for when you sequence a genome, what you have to do is split it into small small little bits mm-hmm. and then that gets put on a machine um that's just what the technology right. allows right we're getting some longer read sequencing uh which is coming down the works but it's taking these uh mapping is essentially taking these little pieces and then identifying where in the reference genome they actually belong mm-hmm. and then we can call differences and what are the benefits of doing this, like just in general? One of the biggest things people want is to identify associations mm-hmm. between particular genetic variants and physical traits. You know, in uh, humans, it's often disease, but it can also be um, obesity or they try to do intelligence every now and then. I'm not completely mm-hmm. familiar with human studies. <laughs> uh, we did clutch size, early growth. Um, as well as some disease susceptibility. Mm-hmm. And the conservation efforts for Kakapo in particular, they seem to be pretty intense, especially considering, I believe it was the 1990s, the population dropped down to about 50 or so alive, and now it's above, I think it's around 250. So what exactly happened for Kakapo to get down to 50 and what has been done since the 90s what has the evolution of the conservation effort been like for Kakapo yeah I can't completely speak for uh, Department of Conservation mm-hmm. but I can have the broad strokes one of the biggest things they did was move the living Kakapo mm-hmm. off, to, off to islands and then um, did eradication of predators as well as constant monitoring to see if the predators come back. So there's some rats that will actually swim out to these islands. Mm-hmm. And then... Okay, yeah. It's a really amusing picture in my head. Um, it's probably not amusing in <laughs> in real life. but uh, And that intensive management of the predators has really allowed them, the population, to increase to where that 
they've now filled up, I believe, three islands, and we've actually have some back on the mainland. Okay. Of course, there's accidents that occur. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week, at the beginning of last week, we had 248 individuals, and at the end of last week, we have 247. Oh no! Due, due to a tree falling. Oh. Okay. So it's not just predators and disease; it's also nature. Mm-hmm. You know, they are wild creatures; they have to live. Um, Department of Conservation's managed breeding by moving birds to different islands because mm-hmm. you can only breed with who you're with. So managing these translocations has been done off of pedigree data that's been generated um, at different labs here, and uh, as well as from their own records. Mm-hmm. And so they've been able to minimize the amount of inbreeding and maximize the genetic diversity in the individuals. So they've done a really excellent job with that. And yeah, and so I guess that leads into um have all the kakapo living kakapo been mapped then as a result considering they're all in these very contained environments on islands and some on the mainland. They have been sequenced. So this project mm-hmm. took a while and they had mm-hmm. two breeding generations since. You know, they don't breed every year. It's between 1 and 4 years they breed. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, we've had two generations since. They have been sequenced. Mm-hmm. One generation has been mapped, but not the next generation. That data literally came to me a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I started that. Um, and that's really exciting because we'll be able to test our models, basically rerun everything, see where we did great, where we did wrong, improve everything. Mm-hmm. And then we can get a, you know, basically an updated version of our data in the paper back to the Department of Conservation for them to use. And I suppose as a concluding remark, and seeing as how you're going to be soon getting more data as well, have you managed to reach any conclusions regarding just kakapo conservation in general and also the health of the species? Is it in a generally good health right now? We think they're doing pretty good health-wise. There's still infertility issues and some embryo failure issues, so Mm -hmm. they'll lay an egg but won't be born or Mm -hmm. not alive um so there's plenty of room for more analyses but i think overall it's working really well due to the intensive conservation um of course the long-term goal you know maybe this might be 50 years or 100 years out is to not have intensive conservation Mm -hmm. procedures um but for now you know we it's it's the best way to do and they've done an excellent job yeah, and so you, do you think that it's just going to keep going up and up for the kakapo species? Are they just going to keep it's just all the way up now? It certainly seems to. Um, there was that aspergillosis outbreak a few years ago, so you never know mm. what's going to be thrown at the conservation management team. So there could be another disease, especially with climate change and more severe weather events, mm-hmm. maybe more humidity and temperature, so pathogens start growing where they weren't there before and we don't know if there are resistant variants in the population or not mm-hmm. part of it is having everything in place for the next disease to do these association studies okay you know, getting everything ready for while missing a chunk of data which is that disease mm-hmm. status and being able to rerun it as individuals get infected on you know mm-hmm. almost a daily basis hopefully not yeah hopefully it comes to it yeah so i suppose in general the kakapo are just doing quite well now compared to where they were 30 years ago 
Yeah. Thank, thanks to the management team. That was a Radio 1 91FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.